From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Welcome back to the last Q&A of the month. It's the end of 2021. And if you've been following along, a whole month of Q&As. It's been extremely enjoyable on my part to answer your questions because you guys give me such great questions. Going forward, I will do Q&As periodically, but Starting next week, I'm going back into the individualized topics so I can talk about those topics in greater detail. So I will continue with that next week. But let's dive into today's Q&A. But before I answer questions that relate to loneliness, I talk about how you can break free of misery, and then also letting go of negative friends. Meditation Man leaves a comment saying, so many places on the internet talk about anxiety and provide help, but I feel the more I look around, the more anxious I become. If I just stick to your channel and then focus on my development, I feel much better. Thank you for your dedication. Meditation, man, I actually relate to that comment and I actually greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. But uh, I remember when I was going through my recovery, I dedicated myself to a coach, one person and their videos and podcasts. And that greatly helped me because I wasn't going on Google and watching hundreds and hundreds of different things but I was stuck to one person and then their content and that. And then I applied their techniques and strategies to myself and that really helped me. So I definitely understand where, where, what you're talking about, but thank you. A gold skull, interesting name, says, I miss weed sometimes, but it amplified my heart rate and at times it made me anxious yes i i agree weed didn't work for me i i wanted it to work and i continued to smoke weed for a while but it continued to enhance my paranoia and my anxiety and the feeling of not being in control got out of hand and weed wasn't for me, so I totally relate to your comment. Thank you for leaving that, by the way. I really appreciate that. Uh, Brenda Smith leaves a comment on uh, the YouTube channel saying, I just found you yesterday and already, already love it. I agree making the bed in the morning helps. you. Your voice helps too. This video is just golden. Thank you. You guys send me such great comments, and I, I love hearing your story, but I also love hearing your feedback, so please leave your comments. I, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, let's dive into today's Q&A, starting with Patrick. He says, 
Did you struggle with loneliness? And if so, how did you overcome it? Great question. The feelings of loneliness came into my life when there was a strong sense of lackingness. I was feeling confused at the time because I didn't know what I wanted in my life. And I felt I was trapped in this consistent cycle of the mundane. There was no meaning. And I, I remember a specific time because I w- was working as an editor at this TV channel, a promo editor. So I was cutting up promos to air on, on TV, which was really cool, really cool job. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved learning about the editing softwares and and the, the editing styles and all of this stuff. But I remember at the time, it was an office job, and it got really repetitive. And I remember I was sitting on my bed, and I was talking to my mom, and I was crying, and I was saying to her, well, I'm lonely. I feel loneliness. I don't know what to do. And she comforted me like a, like any mom would. and But... Looking back, I can see that I was stuck in a mundane cycle and I was extremely bored. I was extremely bored. There was people around me, my family, friends, my ex-partner. So was I really alone? No, there were there was people around me, but internally, that feeling was self-evident. It was there. So why did I feel so alone? It wasn't that I needed someone to entertain me constantly, which I did feel, by the way, at the time. I feel like I needed entertainment, but I was so detached from myself. Is it not true that I was just being dependent on external forces to fill the voids within me. The sense of lackingness, that void. Also, many people who struggle and lose to anxiety feel they are unique in that no one else feels and has what they have. They are unique those feelings of going crazy. I'm going crazy and nobody understands. But it's going through anxiety. It's one of the most common challenges out there. It's so common. People say, well, one in five people having are suffering from anxiety. I think Everybody will suffer from anxiety at some point. Everybody. It's so common. We live today where all of our human, our basic survival needs are met. So we lose ourselves 
in materialism, consumerism, capitalism, and then we feel more and more lost, disconnected, alone, uncomfortable in our own skins. We need constant distraction because as soon as the phone goes off, the Netflix goes off, we are with ourselves. As soon as we slip into bed, it's just you in your own mind. Many people have difficulty shutting that off or being with themselves because we're, we live with constant distraction. It's unbelievable. And I remember while I was working at this editing job, I had this strong yearning for meaning. And I, I can't remember where I got this book from. I think I was, it was given to me by my parents at some point. But it's Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. This was the first spiritual book, self-help book, I ever read. I was reading this book, and a revelation happened. He was talking about the ego. He was talking about how we are so attached to these thoughts and beliefs and that there's this other space, this awareness. And I remember sitting on the subway. Actually, it was not the subway. It was the, the train, uh, the GO train. And I was looking out the window and I was peering out onto the lake and I was reading the book and the book resonated with, with me that we can let go and fall away from our thinking and the clustered mind. And I looked up onto the lake and I felt a moment of spaciousness, of no thinking, of complete mindfulness. And it was a revelation for me. And that was my first glimpse into a different way of being. It's when I decided to structure my life differently and spend quality time with myself, I started to heal this lackingness. The more I spent time alone, the less I felt alone. I'll repeat that. The more I spent time alone with myself, that quality time with myself, the less I felt alone. It's not that I was alone playing video games or listening to punk rock music in my car smoking weed. It's when I was listening to my mentors in a coffee shop or just staring out the window at a coffee shop, sitting there, or reading in the library, or meditating. I was doing new habits outside of my comfort zone, and this brought about a proud feeling within me, but also it was activating my rest and digest system. I was constantly racing around trying to fulfill other people's needs and wants, not really giving back to myself. I was always in stress mode, but then I started to minimalize my life. 
I would go to the coffee shop without running around, doing a million things, stressing about a million things. I would sit there and be like, this is my time. I'm giving back to myself. Is all of this running around, these video games, trying to earn money, trying to please people, is this bringing me happiness? No. So I started to shift my lifestyle. And then I would get a dopamine high at the end of the day of accomplishing something that the old Brad would not do. It's only in that unknown space, that uncomfortability. That is where you discover parts of yourself you never knew existed. A new life, a new lifestyle. Not only will you trust yourself more that you can survive on your own, you then strive for more exploration and you fall in love with that search. Thank you so much, Patrick, for your question. The second question today comes from Luna. Why can't people break free of their misery? I see people who clearly cause their own destruction and are so blind to their habits. Great question. These people are only filtering the outside world, the information from their environment that fits with their programming. Imagine a child who is subjected to their parents' OCD or health anxiety, anger, their beliefs. And the mind of a child is a sponge. They're absorbing all of that unconsciously. Their parents represent the ideal, right? Their parents are older, more sophisticated people. And so the child believes these traits, these beliefs, these actions from their parents are what's required to live in the world. Many cases, as, as they get older, the child acts in a direct reflection of how their parents acted because that's all they knew growing up. So why am I telling you this? Well, this pattern of behavior and thoughts is what's familiar to them. That's, it's all they know. So the person in that constant misery is only going by a program that has been so repetitive in their life. It's all they know that it's what's familiar to them. And when people realize that everything they know is wrong, that is terrifying. So somebody who's continuously falling into destructive patterns at an older age, it's difficult for them to admit 
that all of this, they're causing. It's your patterns. It's your thinking. It's your beliefs. And when someone comes into contact with their own inadequacies, it breaks people. But it's what's required, right? Like when I first learning from a coach, all of my patterns were making up my anxious personality. It was like the rug was pulled under from under me and I realized I have a lot of work to do. I have to change all of this. And it's absolutely, it can drown people. The unknown can drown people. Too much unknown to drown in. So, Many people quickly scramble back to their old anxious patterns. I recently talked to a friend of mine who's been stuck in old negative programs that kept him in that anxious state, but also he kept stepping into the same potholes continuously throughout his life. And then he phoned me and he said, I was sitting with my partner and something happened to me where an old traumatic memory popped up from my childhood. I I didn't even know existed. I don't understand. Where did it come from? Should I try and repress this thing and, and ignore it? I, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, that's a sign from your body that you need to heal from that trauma. The body always keeps the score. It always holds on to these emotional memories. The body will repress it and suppress it, but eventually they will come back up. And it's a sign from the body that this is something you need to deal with and heal from. And I'm telling you this because we can't run from our past. Our body will let us know that the programming we are running is faulty and we need to update it. So him coming to me and telling me that was a sign from his programming that, hey, this thing needs to be updated. And he and my friend is basically saying to me, hey, Brad, how can, I, uh, how can I update this thing? How can I heal from this thing? What should I do? Should I ignore it? And it's really important to know that you can't force somebody to change. They have to want to get better. They have to say, I need help. I want to get better. I am not happy the way I am. And that's a big part of the recovery journey. Because people who go into therapy, who are forced into therapy, they don't get the help. Because they're so closed off. They're in their set mindset. You can't change people who are set in with their set mindset. You have to admit to yourself that you need help and that you have to break outside of what's familiar 
to change? Great question, Luna. Thank you. The third question comes from Beckett. He says, I'm having trouble letting go of negative friends. Can you please help? This is something I struggled with, and so I'd love to dive into this more. I'm assuming that when you say let go, that you are afraid of telling this person that they are no longer valuable and have a space in your life. That that can be very challenging. So let's dive into this deeper. First, change yourself. Get into a routine that heals and strengthens you. Change your internal world before you change your external world. Do not try and save others who do not want to be helped, like I talked about earlier, or force change onto other people. You don't want to do that. That will only cause resistance. So be the example. It's common that friendships naturally grow apart the more you improve yourself. It's very common. And you will see who your friends are the more you improve your life. They may mirror your actions. They may mirror your improvements. They may join you in this journey, or they try and pull you back into old negative patterns. If they continue to remain a burden and attempt to drag you down back into old ways, you must work up the courage. You must work up the courage to tell them how you truly feel. Or sometimes... You just naturally talk less and less until eventually you are excommunicado with them. I'll give you an example. An example of supportive people is my fiance and her colleagues at work. Maggie told me that, she, well, she and I are on a strict keto diet and her colleagues at work for her birthday, they gave her a keto cake. And then one of the other veterinarians gave her, uh, baked her cookies, keto cookies. And then uh, on another occasion, someone baked her keto Halloween cookies. And she came to me and said, Brad, you know, people are doing things above and beyond anyone I've ever met before in regards to my diet and my choices. Many people we've seen get extremely defensive and resistant to our diets because it makes them feel like they're not doing as much as they could with their diet. And, and, and so they, they, well, like I said, are more defensive, but Maggie's coworkers, they're so supportive. They're encouraging her. They don't make her feel like she's an outcast. They're, and that's so valuable to her, and I can see it when she tells me this. But then 
before all of this, Maggie's older friends, they've naturally grown apart because they liked to smoke weed and go out for junk food and then talk about materialism and all of these things that Maggie didn't want to be a part of anymore. She nat was naturally growing out of, the, of, of those things. She wasn't finding value in those habits. And then naturally, her and her friends talked less and less and less until eventually they hardly talk at all now. And so, yes, yeah, sometimes naturally people grow apart. The more you improve, the more they stay the same. Yes, the differences become self-evident and they grow. And then sometimes people encourage you. They see that you're changing for the better and that you're, you're improving your health, you're improving your lifestyle, and they jump on board and they support you. So change yourself and then you'll naturally see who your friends are. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for all of your questions throughout December. It's been a real pleasure. You guys found them to be so useful. And I will do more Q&As uh, periodically going forward. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. That will mean the world to me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.